Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Diagnexia Dialogues, a podcast that delves into issues related to the practice of pathology. For today's podcast, I'm delighted to welcome two individuals with a wealth of experience in healthcare and in particular pathology. Uh, firstly, I'd like to welcome Andrea Gooding, who is the Specialty General Manager for Cellular Pathology at Nottingham University Hospitals, and our own Anthony Johnson, who is the UK Sales Manager for Diagnexia. So welcome to you both, and thank you for agreeing to participate in this podcast and take time off your busy schedules. I appreciate time is tight, especially uh, for you, Andrea, and we're really delighted to have you on board. Perhaps I can start with you, Andrea. Um, can you tell us um, how it all began for you and how you ended up in cellular pathology and biomedical science? How I started in cell path. Um, in my career, oh, Struth. So I have to wind back the annals of time. Um, so I started in the NHS in 1986 and on the old youth training scheme, as it was, um, many years ago in the Pathology Museum at Nottingham University Hospitals or the Queen's Medical Centre as it stood as an independent entity back in the day. Um, very interested in science, inspired by an old TV programme called Quincy, uh, medical uh, examiner. Um, and thought, no, this is this is definitely what I want to want to want to do. I want to do do science. Um, I definitely didn't want to go into nursing. Um, and basically started off in the pathology museum doing a training education, putting um, unique and interesting samples into perspex boxes and glass boxes for medical students and anybody interested to have a look. And then managed to get a job in the actual laboratory at um, the QMC site as a junior A. Worked my way through the different grades to junior B. Um, did part-time education, qualifications, the um, old FIMS primary examination um, route, managed to get my master's degree, had an interest in training and education, interested in non-diagnostic, um, non-gyne cytology or diagnostic cytology as it is now, um, doing histology, electron microscopy, immunohistochemistry, neuro, paediatrics. Fairly lucky that Nottingham was a quite a, a broad um, service that had a lot of specialities um, in that, um, in its repertoire. And then worked from training and education into management. Um, I actually did 10 years at Nottingham. I then moved to um, Burton-on-Trent and I was at Burton-on-Trent for five years. Uh, progressed, obviously, through management um, structures, moving up, and then moved to Derby and basically led the lab services over there. Again, got promoted a couple of times and actually did 18 years in Derby and come back to my old stomping ground at, at Nottingham. A few familiar faces still here. Um, the environment's changed quite a bit, obviously technology, which we'll talk about in due course. Um, and I shall probably see out my, my days here until I go to long pasture uh, <laughs> and, and eventually decide to retire. But I, I'm back in my old stomping ground and it feels like home. Right. 
And in particular, what was it about cellular pathology over biochemistry or hematology that uh, drew you to this field? I think it was the hands-on approach. Mm-hmm. It was very much that um, it, it was kind of looking at those samples that were taken from patients and working very closely with consultants. Mm-hmm. It had a very team-orientated approach to delivery for diagnostics, and that's that's still the case now. Correct. Um, yeah. yeah, less automated, I suppose, with more human mm. interaction. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, just it's interesting you, you say that you uh, were involved in the development of specimens and pots for the museum. They've actually uh, everyone sort of moved away from that now and uh, plastinated mm. specimens where yes. students can handle them uh, mm. is in vogue. No, that's yeah. quite, quite a quite a varied and um, full career so far. <laughs> Absolutely, and I'm no doubt there's more in store. Uh, how about you, Anthony? How, how did it all begin for you? Yeah, uh, relatively. Similar, similar story to to Andrea. Um, I joined the NHS in 1988. Um, like uh, like Andrea, I was always interested and wanted a career in science. And right before that, I was after my A levels. I was uh, I went to Sheffield University to um, to start a degree in microbiology. Didn't like microbiology. Um, didn't really have my heart in it. Uh, and I was looking elsewhere and I saw a trainee post uh, for what was then a junior B MLSO, Medical Laboratory Scientific Officer was the was the old term back then, um, at Hope Hospital in Salford, now called Salford Royals. Um, I applied, I got it in histology. Um, and I remember, um, well, I kind of knew what, histology cellular pathology was but I didn't really uh, and I remember the first few weeks being completely and utterly fascinated being next to pathologists dissecting real human organs brains um, from deceased patients looking at you know evidence of uh, of um, brain degeneration and Alzheimer's and being completely and utterly captivated and fascinated uh, and I still am um, and from there, um, I went down the route of um, the state registration and became a fully fledged MLSO. Uh, I moved then to um, to a couple of other sites. One was St Mary's in Manchester, which at that time was a gynae histology um, specialist laboratory and paediatric. Um, really enjoyed the time there. And even then, they were. Um, they were um, integrating services across different sites. So gynae histology, um, ocular histology, and surgical histology, there were three labs on that site. Actually, there were four. There was dental histology as well, and they all merged into one mm-hmm. at the, the Royal Infirmary. Um, and that was in 1990. That building is still there, and some of the people I worked with at the Manchester Royal Infirmary are still in the lab. Um, and then I followed my, who is now my wife, um, who was relocated uh, with her job in 1996 down at the Royal Barcher in Reading. Um, I got, I started to get itchy feet, I think, um, just to see a bit more of the world and broaden my horizons. So at that point, um, I started applying to some uh, histology supply and equipment um, companies uh, and I got a job in 1996 um, with one of those 
and um yeah i uh i'm kind of still in the in the industry today uh and i'm just doing a little bit of account so that's 35 years uh living and breathing histology i think i'm bilingual i'm english and uh and histology <laughs> yes so collectively between the two of you have got a great breadth and span of experience and that leads me to my next question andrea the landscape of pathology has really changed dramatically over the last 20 years with um, sort of post-modern revolutions in the practice of pathology. Um, and in my opinion, some very good and some not so good. Uh, and how would you reflect on, on the journey in the last 20 years uh, being in pathology? Um, I think you're right. The terminology journey is, is definitely the, the right thing. A little bit of a roller coaster journey, potentially, with its ups and downs. Um, we've obviously seen technology changes. Um, the the basics of, of microtomy is pretty much the same. Um, I know that there are automated sort of like embedding solutions out there, um, but generally the the core building block blocks of histology is, has pretty much sort of like stayed the the same. Mm -hmm. There are aspects, obviously, that have been bolted onto those processes when you think of sort of like diversifications down the genomics and molecular medicine side of things. But incorporating into that has been the advancements of biomedical scientists um, with dissection, which basically started in the early 2000s and rolling through now to obviously quite a few consultant biomedical scientists out there mm -hmm. supporting that reporting um, process. The genomics molecular medicine is obviously at the, the forefront at the moment with um, personalised medicine and it's it's working very closely with our, our colleagues in those fields to ensure that we've got a seamless pathway to support the patient diagnostics. Uh, we have other aspects of um, not necessarily technology changes, but it, it's thought processes from uh, operational and, and management perspective, utilising and jumping on the back of the, the Toyota Lean principles. Mm -hmm. I certainly know that um, where I was at Derby and involved with the um, lab designs of a new PFI build, if I'd known what I know now about cutting out waste, um, doing spaghetti mapping, I would have designed the lab totally different um, to a linear flow um, process. Yeah, so sometimes we're kind of a little bit restricted with our infrastructure um, and obviously knowledge comes throughout that whole of that that journey. But we're, we're definitely at a, I think, at a better place. We've got a, a very diverse um, team of staff delivering cellular pathology and diagnostics to uh, to clinicians and patients. Sure, and, and as, as I said, with increasing automation and new technology, of course, efficiencies have increased. So the bad I was referring to in the landscape is the sort of uh, scarcity of um, biomedical scientists and, of course, pathologists. And how how have you sort of reacted to this? Um, I think what we've we've effectively done is we've diversified potentially the skill set of the um, healthcare scientists that that work in cellular pathology. So associate practitioner roles have come in, which is um, a hybrid between the MLA and and the registered biomedical scientist. We've looked at obviously the advanced dissection aspects um, supported through the um, IBMS, obviously with the um, 
diploma of expert practice and the advanced um, qualifications that are there. And then onwards is that development then of the consultants doing um, reporting. Right, uh, Andy, I have to ask you the slightly contentious question, if you don't mind. <laughs> is the consultant BMSs who do reporting, you know there's a degree of resistance to this from consultant hist medical consultant histopathologists. What are your views on it? Uh, well, bearing in mind that I have actually been fairly successful in getting um, a consultant BMS through their training portfolio where I've worked previously, I've, I'm very pro the role of uh, consultant BMSs mm -hmm. in reporting to support. We do have a national issue with the availability and volume and number of consultants. Um, and we need to balance that with our speciality trainees that are coming through as well and ensuring that, you know, they've got um, access to all of the training and knowledge facilities that are there. It's very much like companion diagnostics. It's companion scientists working with our medics for the benefit of the of the patient um, and yes you you're you're going to get resistance the same way with digital technology and digital pathology you are going to get resistance with the use of digital um, programs coming in looking at algorithms etc um, but it it's keeping those conversations open looking at the benefits and trying to find um, harmonious solutions yeah, not no, always I, easy <laughs> I, I fully agree i think given the crisis you know we're facing in pathology we've got to deploy as many resources as possible you, you've touched on digital pathology and perhaps i can just go to you anthony and a digital workflow in laboratories is in vogue at the moment and certainly more and more hospitals are adopting this what are your views on this and the impact it'll have on the practice of pathology yeah i mean interesting it's here to stay it's the future and my view is uh five ten years from now microscopes will be uh found in the kind of museum that andy started her career in and um i think you know they 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 just won't be used they're not necessary um i think it speeds up the process it it really does give a a, a much seamless a much more seamless workflow to what was previously quite a clunky, a clunky system. And um, add in the, the AI algorithms. And I think the whole um, deeper problem in, in histopathology with the, with the great number of uh, biopsies that are coming through will at least partially be addressed. Uh, and, I, and I look forward to that. Sure, no, absolutely. And I think um, to allay people's fears that AI will replace pathologists, that will never happen. And it's, no. you know, it's to augment the practice. Uh, Andrea, coming back to you, you rolled out a digital workflow in Nottingham and went through all the growing pains, no doubt. Perhaps you can share some aspects of the journey that you experienced in, in from both the lab point of view and then from getting the pathologists ready for it. Okay, so yes, you're right. We've rolled out um, digital at, at Nottingham, and at the end of October, we will be um, and have 100% of our pathologists um, signed off for reporting, and we're also um, UCAS accredited for primary reporting. Um, the process was one of um, teamwork, um, and that is at the heart of this and the success of it, in that we've engaged our provider we've engaged our 
trust ICT teams, we had HR involved, we had our estates teams involved, we had regular meetings um, literally every single week going through the adoption process where we wanted equipment positioned um, we even had issues with the number of sockets that were available so it was making sure that we'd kind of got all the right people that could facilitate and work fairly quickly and proactively to resolve the issues that arose along the lines and I think we've been fairly lucky that we've had very few um, issues at all with the implementation of digital. Mm -hmm. um, getting our consultants on, on board um, again is around storytelling. It's the narrative around the improvements that can come through but also being very honest. It mm -hmm. is an extremely painful and slow process when it comes to the second state of validation for pathologists that have to do the glass and the digital at the same time. There's no easy carrot to dangle. Um, it is around blood, sweat and tears um, to actually literally get through that pain barrier of being able to have your validated numbers being signed off. And very similar to learning to drive, once you are and you've passed your test, you then learn how to drive and you develop that ability to become proficient. And that's the same. You probably won't reach fluency for digital reporting until at least eight to 12 months down the line after you've actually signed off on validation. And that's when you'll start to develop and see the efficiencies and the productivity gains that's cited in a lot of the, the literature on digital. And as Anthony says, the AI stuff that, that's coming in, I mean, hopefully early next year, we'll have two AIs um, up and running at Nottingham. Mm -hmm. um, it's just seeing how that sits into the full context of the whole timed pathway um, to make sure that we can see the benefits and, and gains. And how has the digital workflow sort of impacted the lab specifically? It's an extra step. There's more, more entailed in scanning the slides. And how did you deploy staff to cope with that? So I, I, I was lucky at, at Nottingham in that I'd put a, a business case in, which led to some additional staff. I'd also um, put bids into the East Midlands Cancer Alliance, which had supported um, some additional staff to help run the um, the scanners, so basically taking your slides off a staining machine, which then need to be cleaned, they need to be re-racked to go onto a scanner. Um, we basically opted to go big bang with the scanning. Everything was going to go through the through the scanner. Um, but as far as sort of like digital rollout to the consultants, it was by speciality. Sure. Uh, having that those additional staff certainly sort of like helped that and then once we kind of got that digital workflow in the laboratory we then did a transformational piece within the lab around changing the way that we were working to try and improve our turnaround times and that's actually identified um, potentially capacity issues where we thought initially that we had enough scanners to deal with our workload improving our turnaround times has then generated bottlenecks at the scanning stage so we actually yeah uh, we need another scanner um but obviously increasing finance um, issues within the nhs at the moment is making that increasingly difficult to be able to very easily bring in um, additional resource but we're we're coping with it and the staff seem to have 
certainly settled with this additional step. Um, and again, it, it's transformation aspects. You look at the whole pathway and where you might have an additional step somewhere else in that pathway, you will save elsewhere. Sure. Um, so long as you're not expanding your um, your diagnostic turnaround times. Sure. And approximately how many slides a day do you scan, Andy, in your lab? Uh, um, now you're asking a question. Um, I think we're probably around the 1500 to 1800 mark per day. And that's and the, the scanning runs from eight till five, or would you have extended hours? We do have extending hours, but the scanning times aren't necessarily extended. What we do do is we load at night time, and it will scan overnight. So it um, evolves, it, it removes bottlenecks, basically. And uh, in terms of people who scan and do the quality checks around scanning, uh, do you have dedicated staff or is everyone adept at this? So we do have dedicated staff at the moment for sort of like loading the machines. So those are our MLA levels and we are looking at rolling that out across all of our MLAs within service. Um, the QC aspect is done by our biomedical scientists. So we've got uh, four QC stations in at Nottingham and they are basically manned throughout the day just to keep that workflow going. So they sit with um, dual screens, um, digital image on one side, limb system on the other, cross-checking accuracy and then issuing case out. Um, we have two services or specialities that are um, glass light or glass free and um, we'll be rolling that out through the rest of our specialities so trying to keep processes as standardized as possible for the laboratory to then make it easy for that issuing of work out to consultants right great uh, so andy obviously you've had a excellent journey in rolling out a digital strategy and for people who listen to this podcast and are contemplating doing a similar uh, thing what sort of advice would you give them you know briefly um advice uh plenty of coffee <laughs> um engage everybody at every level you know your your MLAs to your your scientists make sure your admin team are engaged on on the on the process have your local pathology IT if you you're lucky enough to have a pathology IT team your trust ICT team um your estates team that that need to be on on there you need everybody around the table to have the conversations your providers are integral to be able to make this work. I mean, we we have a, a great digital provider and through the implementation phase, as we've made suggestions where we think our workflow could be improved if this was here, that was there, they've listened, they've taken that away, latest software updates have, have incorporated most of our asks to be able to improve our, our, our workflow. Oh, that's fantastic, sage words of advice, thank you. So perhaps we can wrap up and uh, if I could um, finally ask both of you, and perhaps we could start with Anthony, um, if you could go back to the beginning, Anthony, what, what would you change in your career path and uh, voyage in pathology? Uh, I wouldn't change a thing, actually, Ronjan. I know that's a, that's a fairly cliched answer, but I wouldn't change a thing. I um, uh, along, along the journey of, of my career from... Uh, effectively bailing from my degree at Sheffield University 
to find myself in cellular pathology uh, because a job was available, finding it incredibly invigorating and interesting to my uh, industry experience to to where I am now. Actually, I wouldn't I wouldn't change a thing. I think it is still richly rewarding. It, mm-hmm. um, it, it, it's exciting at the moment with the with the new technologies that are coming out around digital companion diagnostics. Uh, AI um, and having histopathology move from where it was when I started, which was effectively a a tier two um, service in the disease diagnosis and and, and, and treatment pathway to to tier one now, which is uh, we've got MDTs, we've got clinicians who are absolutely reliant on the the um, the diagnosis and the and the treatment pathway to histology's um, histology's contribution to national screening programs and improving the health of everybody. I'm I'm proud and to to have been a part of that and continue to be a part of that. That's great to hear. Andy, how about you? Um, I guess potentially very similar to what Anthony was talking about. I, I absolutely love being in cell path. Um, I love the technology that's there, the innovation. Um, We're kind of bringing ourselves into the forefront of of technology. Um, I think if I was to look at my career pathway, I'm glad I've chosen the route that I've gone gone down. Um, I guess the one thing that I kind of maybe miss is the actual hands-on science bit of doing Mm -hmm. you know it's actually working in that that laboratory it's being able to go to a a microscope or a digital screen and go oh yeah I can see this needs doing or I need to improve that that technique and and QC things out I miss getting special stains on my hands um but yeah I, I I guess I get my um my kicks out of watching other people um evolve and learn and do the science side of things and then come say oh I've got a really good idea about doing this blah 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 talk me through it okay how's that going to impact great fabulous idea go run with it let's let's get the let's get this in um so yeah just watching others bloom I think it is the 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 pleasure that I get out of this with balance with the headache of management but (laughs) wouldn't, wouldn't change a thing it's wonderful to hear. I think your enthusiasm and passion for cellular pathology shines through very easily in the way you speak about it. So too with you, Anthony. So finally, I'd like to thank you both very much for participating and taking time again, as I said, off your busy schedules to do this podcast. I'm sure listeners will find this really beneficial. Your valuable insights and advice um, will go a long way to answering several of the questions that people may have especially around running a modern cellular pathology lab so thank you very much andrea we really appreciate your time once again it's a pleasure pleasure too